Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. If you have a, a graph in front of you, a line, and over here you have a heart that struggles with generosity, and you tend to be more closed-fisted, you tend to hold on to things more tightly, and, and greed is, is kind of an issue uh, if you look at the definition of greed, that's exactly what it means. So you have a, a heart that, that really struggles with giving anything to God or giving away anything. Um, the, the, that heart perspective sees God as a taker. And so, you know, you feel like God's always demanding something of you and you feel like God is always asking you for something and that, that it's going to cost you something. And somehow when God asks you for something, it's going to diminish your time or your bank account or something that God's going to uh, somehow ask you for something that's going to cost you. So you hold on tight to make sure that you have what you need uh, to survive. And so you, you hold on real tight. That's this heart perspective. And then you have this, on this side, you have a generous heart, which is what we're all striving to be and have. And so the generous heart doesn't look at God as the taker. The generous heart looks at God as the giver. And so anytime God asks you to do something, whether it's take time out of your schedule and, and have coffee with someone whose life's falling apart or asks you to buy someone dinner or asks you, you know, whatever, um, the, you, you look at when God asks you to do something, it's an opportunity for you to be blessed and to be a blessing for someone else. See the difference? And so we all start here, and the goal is that God is moving us from here over to here, Right? And so that's where we're all at. And, and um, I just want to encourage you, if you wrestle with this area, just hang in there because um, God will give you peace and God will give you direction and God will work in your life and, and be a blessing to you. Um, so in Proverbs 3, Solomon writes some words of wisdom on how we should live our life. And I want to just kind of read some of these verses to you today and we're going to springboard off this and talk about this issue of uh, can I trust God? with my life. So he says, my child, if you truly want a long and satisfying life, how many, how many, that's a good prayer to pray, right? Um, Never forget the things that I've taught you. Follow closely every truth that I've given you, and then you will have a full rewarding life. Hold on to loyal love and don't let go, and be faithful to all that you've been taught. Let your life be shaped by integrity with truth written upon your heart. And that's, how you will f- that's the, and that's how you will find favor and understanding with both God and men. You will gain the reputation of living life well. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on Him to guide you and He will lead you in every decision you make. Be intimate with Him in whatever you do and He will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. For wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that's wrong. Then you will find the healing refreshment your body and spirit long for. Glorify God with all your wealth, honoring him with your very best, with every increase that comes to you. Then every dimension of your life will overflow with blessings from an uncontainable source of inner joy. Isn't that a wonderful just words of wisdom. You know, when, when Paul said God loves a cheerful giver, what he's talking about is that 
your, your giving is, is coming from a place of joy, not of a burden or like, you know, you, you know what I mean? So it, there's something really amazing when you have that inner joy, regardless of your circumstances. You know, um, what, I love about, what I love about God is that it's not the amount. It's, it, God works in percentages, you know. So, like, you might not have anything, and you might give something small compared to someone else, but it's all you have. God keeps record of that. And I just think that's so amazing. And, and so um, generosity has to do with stewardship. And stewardship is basically saying that you and I, are managing or we're stewards of what God has entrusted us with. So, spoiler alert, nothing you have, you own. Well, I own my house. Well, when you die, what happens to your house? You don't take anything with you, right? The only thing we take with us is people. And so, God has blessed us with abilities and talents to, to work in particular careers. He's blessed you with cars and houses and whatever, but it's all His. And the moment we recognize that, like even our kids, that's why we dedicate our children and we give back to God our children and we're saying, God, we understand that you're entrusting us with raising these children uh, as unto the Lord. And so everything we have is on loan from God to manage. They were his resources that you and I are managing. Once I get that in my heart and mind, well, then I realize, number one, the pressure's not on me, it's on him, right? And, and so, so if I know that everything I have is God ha- owns and I'm just managing it, I want to do my best to make my master proud of what he's trusted me with. And so um, the reality is, is if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And so um, uh, we think of stewardship as merely a matter of giving money through the church, and that's, that's a part of it, but it's secondary. That, that's, that, that's part of the whole picture, but it's not the only picture. And so stewardship is the way I handle those things in my life that God has entrusted me with. It's, it's the management of the God-given resources that I can use for His glory and for the good of others. So the Harbor Church is, and I'd like to just say, I'm so proud of everyone that serves in leadership, um, from, from those that serve uh, overseeing the finances to those that are running our missions committee and, and how much. Everyone has this, this thought in mind that, that, you know, it's God's and, and we can manage and be stewards of the resources that God has blessed us with. And we are truly a river and not a reservoir. We lead by example. And so um, stewardship is a reflection of my relationship with God. So the definition of trust, this trust issue is a major thing. And, and a lot of what we do concerning the things of God are based on this issue of trust or the lack of it. So the definition of trust is an assured reliance on the character, strength, or truth of someone or something. So I can, I can rely on the fact that, that my God has a character, that he says what he, he does what he says, and he means what he says, and he's going to follow through. I can trust because that's his character. It's a basis of reliance or faith or hope. It's a confident hope, and that's what trust is. And so um, if I view God as someone who has hurt me and taken things from my life, whether it be people through death or, or, you know, just anything, like maybe you've lost it all and you, you blame God, then it's really hard for you to have trust in Him with any area of your life. And I get that. 
So I want to kind of speak to that issue. Can I trust God with everything? And I'm hopefully going to answer that today. Psalm 62 says this. Join me, everyone. Trust only in God every moment. Tell him all your troubles and pour out your heart longings to him. Believe me when I tell you, he will help you. And then in the, in the King James, it says Selah after that verse. You maybe have seen that before. What is Selah? Well, the translation I'm reading from basically interprets it as pause in his presence. So God wants you to pour your heart out to him. He wants you to share with him your dreams and desires. He wants that. And then he wants you just to sit there like you're sitting next to him on a park bench and you're just listening. Just take a deep breath and exhale and say, God, now you, now you know. He already knows anyway, but he wants to hear it from you. And then, he, then, then watch what he does and watch what he um, does in your life. I, I shared um, in the first service, um, and I didn't get permission so I, I did have a ride home in case it went south, but, but I think we're good, so I'm, I'm good right now, but um, she's, uh, I'm not sure. Um, whew, I'm going to stand over here where it's warmer. Um, so uh, you ever gone through those seasons where you feel like everyone else is getting blessed but you? <laughs> and don't we exaggerate it like everyone is blessed and I am, I've got nothing. I mean, you know, and you, you just, you over magnify things. You, you overreact. And so we were going through a season where um, my, wife, my wife was just kind of like, I just feel like everyone else gets blessed but us. What are we doing wrong? And I'm trying to kind of be the reasonable one. And I'm like, well, you know, we need to trust God. But in my mind, I'm going, she's right. I don't know. We were just feeling a little left out. Is it just us or have you ever felt that way? All right, so, so we were feeling that way. And then out of the blue, God did something in our personal lives. It, it had been a desire of my heart for my whole life, but I never asked God for it because I, I honestly felt like there was more important things that he could do or should do, and I just felt like it was kind of selfish for me to ask him, so I never asked him. But I, I shared with my wife what the desires of my heart were when we were dating. And out of the blue, God did something in our personal lives that the only way I can explain it was once I saw it, it was like jumping into a river with a strong current, and we couldn't get out if we wanted to. And God just, God just opened up some doors for us personally and blessed us. And, and I didn't ask for it. I wasn't looking for it. I didn't need it to believe in God or trust him. I just, it was like God said, I have heard your heart 30-something years ago, and now I want to let you know that I'm faithful. And, and so if God is no respecter of persons, um, he wants to hear your heart, and he wants to hear your dreams, and he wants to hear what you really want, and, and watch him follow through and do it. And it might not be in the timeline that you, that you think. The reality is, is I, if, I would have, if God would have done this 10 years ago or 20 years ago or 30 years ago, I would have blown it. But now I've got the maturity, and I've got, I've got you know, some experience and some things, and, and God um, has entrusted me with it at this season of my life. And, it, and sometimes it has to do with the season of life you're in. He's heard what you asked for and what you were dreaming. He will, he will release it to you when you're ready. You, you understand what I'm saying? Psalm 125 says, Those who trust in the Lord are as unshakable as unmovable as mighty Mount Zion, just as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord's wraparound presence surrounds his people, protecting them now and forever. Oswald Chambers, who uh, wrote uh, the devotional, My Utmost for His Highest, a collection of his sermons, 
Um, he said this. He said, faith is unutterable trust in God, trust which never dreams he will not stand by us. Isn't that amazing? So Solomon, who wrote the opening passage of Scripture in Proverbs that we just read, pointed out four things that we can trust God with in our life. And Solomon was the smartest dude in the world that's ever lived. So I think if Solomon said, you can trust God with these, um, then I'm going to take note because he knows, what he's, he knows what he's talking about. So number one, if you're taking notes, you can trust God with your heart. If you've ever been hurt, if you've ever been rejected or betrayed, the temptation is to never trust again, right? But that's not living, is it? And sometimes... Um, we, 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 we blame God for things, and we like, man, you know, God took that from me, and, and I'm never going to trust him again, you know, with anything. I, I remember before I really knew the Lord, I blamed the Lord for taking my, my, my mother, who was 37 when she died. And I blamed him, and I thought he took her from me. And so when people would share Christ with me, I would just get back in their face and say, you're ridiculous and you're foolish to believe this because a loving God would never do that. You know, and I had, I had this, whole, this whole thing going on in my mind where I wasn't going to trust him. Um, and then came that day where I had nowhere else to go. Isn't that funny how that happens? He says you can, you can with all your heart, rely on him or trust him. I love the story that, um, of the French soldier who had served under Napoleon, and he was dying of a gunshot wound on the battlefield, and the medic was working on him, and the medic was probing uh, in between his shattered ribs to try to find the bullet. And, and as he was laying there doing that, the soldier looked up at the medic and said this. He said, dig a little deeper, and you will find the emperor. Such a powerful story. And I wonder if, if we were to dig a little deeper, would we find Jesus? Would we find the one that, that we're willing to give our life for because he gave his life for us? Jesus said, loving me empowers you to obey my word. And my Father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and make you our dwelling place. God, the creator of the universe, the one who sustains all things, holds all things together through his word, the God that, that, that has just created every miracle that you marvel at, wants to dwell in your heart as his residence. That's pretty powerful. And then Psalm 20, or I'm sorry, Proverbs 23 says, My son, give me your heart and embrace fully what I'm about to tell you. Listen, you, maybe you've went through a time in life where you've been hurt, but I want to encourage you, you can trust God with your heart. Because my question would be, if you don't trust anyone with your heart, you'll never give your heart over to anyone or anything again. How's that working for you? Probably not too well. You can trust Him with your heart. The second thing Solomon pointed out was that you can trust Him with your mind, the, the way you think. And he says, do not rely on your own opinions. You know, our opinions, we can have strong opinions, and they shape us, and they shape us the way you live. You don't believe me, just at dinner today when you're sitting with a bunch of people, just bring up the topic of politics and watch how people's opinions are. Strong opinions. We, just, just kind of a side note, we, uh, 
we're, we're ordering some new merchandise, you know, sweatshirts and T-shirts and hats and all that. And, I'm, and I've said to my staff, I've got a great idea. Let's get a red hat that says, make church great again. They're like, no, we're not doing that. We're not going to do that. You're gonna, and so I just thought it was a good idea. But I got shot down by my young staff. So pray for their salvation. So, um, but, but this thing with the mind is that we are created in the image of God. And, and that creativity that we read about in Genesis 1 where he creates the heavens and the earth and everything that we enjoy today, he created by his word. That creativity that we read about is in you because you are created in his image. So there's a lot of you that work with your hands. You can build things. You can have a vision for something and actually build it, and it's incredible. Some of you in your minds, you, 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 might, uh, you might be a designer or you might be an architect and you might not actually physically build it, but you are designing it. The, the reality is, is that even if you have a vision or a, a, a dream for your marriage or for your family, if you're a single person and you're just, you have a vision, I want to marry a godly spouse, I want to have 16 kids and I want to, you know, whatever. You, you're, 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 you have a vision for your life and that creativity comes from God, which is exciting. I remember um, back in, in the late 80s, um, I was on staff at our church in Michigan, and we were, at that point, we were running about five or 600 people, and our, our sanctuary was similar in size to this, um, but we were busting at the seams, and we were needing more space. And um, to, show you, to show you how different real estate is between New York and Michigan, um, we ended up buying 73 acres of property right on I-75, which is a major interstate that runs through the middle of the country. 73 acres, you ready? For $80,000. Yeah. And so we, we bought it, and, and in the middle of the property, it was a cornfield. It was just a cornfield. And in the middle of the property, there was about a two-foot little creek. I wouldn't even call it a creek. It was like just a little, it wasn't even a river. It was a little stream. It was so small you could step over it. But it ran through the middle of the property and, and, and went into a bigger drainage ditch. So we were told as we were getting everything ready that you can't do anything to obstruct that. that that's natural flow off the highway. You have to leave that open. So that was an issue. We were trying to think of what we should do. So we would go out to that property every morning me and the senior pastor, and there was this guy named John who owned a big excavation company, and, and his calling, and like, he loved moving dirt and creating things. He just loved it, and I thought that was so cool. So we were out there one morning, and, and John comes out and brought the coffee, and we were standing out there. We would go out there and just pray. One, one time we had a bunch of wooden stakes and, and string, and we, we staked out what the, the, the property was going to look like, how big it was, and we were just marveling like, this is going to be where the sanctuary is, right here. And we walk over here, and this is going to be the kitchen, and this is going to be the classrooms. And it was a, the first phase of that building was a 53,000-square-foot building. We have 12,000-square-foot total. This was 50,000-square-foot, and then they added another 50 after we left. So it's a huge facility. And um, so I go back to the morning. We're out there, and John comes to us and says, I was in prayer this morning, and I feel like God gave me an idea to help us get this building off the ground and this whole issue with the, with the stream. He says, uh, at that time, the, the road crews were redoing I-75, so they, they were 
excavating it, putting in better drainage. They were repaving the asphalt. They were doing it through the whole state of Michigan, so it was a big project. So John says, I got this idea. He goes, what if I bring my earth movers in and we dredge out like an eight-acre lake that runs around the building, like kidney shape, and then we take all the dirt and we run it through a screeder and we sell the topsoil back to the road commission. And we're like, you, you can do that? Really? He goes, yeah, yeah. And so he did that. He got his earth movers out, their crew. They dug this eight-acre lake around the building. And, and there was this huge pile of, of topsoil, and they screeded it. They, they, you know, that got all the rocks out and got all the impurities out. And we ended up, I think we sold all of that for like $200,000 of dirt. It was dirt. The, the site work was $150,000 for the building alone. We paid for that and had extra to start. And, and that was, see, I believe that idea was from God. And so God gives us ideas, the way we think and that creativity, and it's just awesome. Our mind can also be very deceptive, can it? And it can, it can convince us to look at issues in the wrong way. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians, he said, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and breaks through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture, like prisoners of war, every thought, and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. In the message paraphrase, he says, we use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, and fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. What is a warped philosophy that, that, that erects a barrier against the truth of God? There's, there's so many of them. I mean, it could be the very fact where you say, I, I can't trust God because I've been hurt. That's a warped philosophy. God doesn't love me because of my past. That's a warped philosophy. That is not the truth of God. You will not find that anywhere in his word. I have sinned so much and I've done so many bad things, he could never accept me. That is a lie from the pit of hell. So there's warped philosophies that we can convince ourselves that are true all the time. Here's another one. You walk into a place like this, every family has it together except ours. I'm telling you, it is not true, because I know all of you, most of you. <laughs> he says, Paul goes on to say, who can know our Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. So putting on the mind of Christ is something intentional, something we have to do. Uh, it doesn't just happen to change our thinking. So... Um, you know, thinking about keeping your head in all situations and having the mind of Christ. I came across this a few years ago, and it's supposedly a true story. I, I don't know, but it's about a bricklayer who was injured on a construction site and had submitted a claim to the insurance company. And uh, I'm just going to read for you uh, what this gentleman wrote in his claim to the insurance company. So he says, Dear Sir, I am writing in response to your request for additional information. In block number three of the accident report form, I put poor planning as the cause of my accident. You said in your letter that I should explain more fully, and I trust that the following details will be sufficient. I am a bricklayer by trade, and on the day of the accident, I was working alone on the roof of a six-story building. 
When I finished my work, I discovered that I had about 500 pounds of brick left over. Rather than carry the brick down by hand, I decided to lower them down in a barrel using a pulley, which was attached to the side of the building at the sixth floor. Securing the rope at ground level, I went up to the roof, swung the barrel out and loaded the bricks into it, and then went back to the ground and untied the rope, holding it tightly to ensure a slow descent of the 500 pounds of bricks. You will note on line 11 of the accident report form that I weigh 135 pounds. Due to my surprise at being jerked off the, off the ground so suddenly, I lost my presence of mind and forgot to let go of the rope. Needless to say, I proceeded up the side of the building at a rather rapid rate. In the vicinity of the third floor, I met the barrel coming down. This explains the fractured skull and the broken collarbone. Slowed only slightly, I continued my rapid ascent to the top, not stopping until my fingers of my right hand were two knuckles deep into the pulley. Fortunately, you guys are so much more expressive than the first service. They didn't even say nothing. Um, I'm not even sure they were awake, Pastor Ben. Fortunately, by this time, I regained my presence of mind and was able to hold tightly to the rope in spite of my pain. At approximately the same time, however, the barrel of bricks hit the ground and the bottom fell out of the barrel along with about 500 pounds of bricks. Now the weight of the bricks, now without the weight of the bricks, the barrel now weighed approximately 50 pounds. I again refer you to line 11 that my weight is 135 pounds. As you might imagine, I began a rapid descent down the side of the building. And in the vicinity of the third floor, I once again met the barrel coming up. <clears throat> This accounts for the two fractured ankles and lacerations of my legs and lower body. The encounter with the barrel slowed me enough to lessen my injuries when I fell upon the pile of bricks. And fortunately, only three vertebrae were cracked. I am sorry to report, however, that as I lay there on the pile of bricks, in pain, unable to stand, and now watching the barrel dangling six stories above, above me, I again lost my presence of mind, and I let go of the rope. <laughs> Paul said to Timothy, but you keep your head in all situations. And this is a great way to keep your head. You need to think about that if you're ever doing anything like that. One psychologist by the name of Dr. Joel Santos said that there are two mental laws that contribute heavily to our mental state of being, which means whether you're happy or sad. They are, number one, the law of concentration, and number two, the law of substitution. So the law of concentration says that whatever we dwell upon grows um, into our life experience. So um, whatever we think about on a continual basis becomes part of us. So we become what we think, and the more we dwell on something, the more we have of it in our lives. Would you agree with that? So that's, that's the law of concentration. The law of substitution states that our conscience, our conscience mind, uh, conscious mind, not conscience, conscious mind, can only hold one thought at a time. Um, it makes no difference to our mind whether it's a negative thought or a positive thought. It can only hold one at a time. So you can choose to substitute um, a negative thought for a positive thought, um, thus changing your mental state of being. And so 
God's Word is full of instructions for us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, to think about things that are true, think about things that are good, think about things that are life-giving. And, and you can choose, in fact, the choice is ours, to, to think about those things and not dwell on the negative, right? Because in our minds, we can make things seem worse than they really are. Everything's falling apart. It's all over. You know, things are, you know, if I had a nickel for every time we've had an awesome service and I've had one person that's been a jerk to me and said something sideways, what do you think I'm thinking the rest of the day? The thing's falling apart. We need to close the doors. The harbor's not going to exist anymore. Blah, 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 blah. And I have to have someone like my wife go, wake up. Everything's going great. You know, she hasn't hit me in a long time. So I might need a ride. I might need a ride with someone on the way home. So you can trust God with your heart, you can trust Him with your mind, the way you think, and number three, you can trust Him with your ways. Your ways uh, have to do with your direction or your path. And it says become intimate with Him in whatever you do, and He will lead you wherever you go. Maybe you're in a place in your life where you're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know if I should take this job or not. I don't know if I should sell my house or not. I don't know. You're just stuck. You can trust God with your way of what to do and how to do it and where to go. Isaiah 55, the prophet Isaiah said, my, speaking of God, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. Prophet Haggai said this. He said, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. It's like living on Long Island, right? Um, you drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. I'm going to skip over the message uh, paraphrase. You can trust Him with your ways. Number four, you can trust Him with your things. If I can trust him with my heart, and I can trust him with my mind, and I can trust him with my ways, I can certainly trust him with my things. Verse 9 says, glorify God with all your wealth, honoring him with your very best, with every increase that comes to you. You know, it's not wrong to have things. It becomes wrong when things have you. John Wesley, who was the founder of the Wesleyan Church, said this, he said, when the possessor of heaven and earth brought you into being and placed you in this world, he placed you here not as an owner, but as a steward. As, as such, he entrusted you for a season with goods of various kinds, but the sole property of, the, of these still rest in him, nor can, uh, nor can ever be alienated from him. As you are not your own, but his, such is likewise all that you enjoy." Everything I have is His. Do you know that Jesus talked a lot about money, possessions? 16 of the 38 parables, 16 were, con were concerned with how to handle money and possessions, believe it or not. In the Gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one out of 10 verses, which is 288 uh, in all, deals directly with the subject of money. Why? Because from the beginning of time, that has always been a, a tough subject for mankind. It always has been. It always will be. The Bible 
has, um, well, let me, let me ask, how many think prayer is important? Good. You guys are like excited about prayer. Do you, you know there's 500 verses on prayer? 500. How many think that faith is important, right? Yeah. There's just a little under 500 verses on faith. There are more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. So God is wanting to tell us some things. And some would say that, you know, you dedicate the heart and the money will follow. But Jesus put it the other way around. Jesus said, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Once your treasure is dedicated, your heart will be dedicated. And where your treasure is not dedicated, your heart won't be dedicated. It's as simple as that. I want you to ask yourself today this question. Um, Do I trust God? Do I trust God with my heart? Do I trust God with my mind? Do I trust God with my ways? Do I trust God with my things? Where do I place my faith in any of these issues? Where do I place my confidence? Is he truly my source? And if you can't answer that, or if some of these you're like, yeah, I... I I withhold the right to to maintain control over a certain area of your life. If he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. And I want to encourage you that, you know, for me personally, the only thing I get out of it is being able to watch you be blessed. And I want you to to walk in his blessings and walk in his fullness and walk to, there's nothing better than when you can make a difference and in the kingdom or you can make a difference in someone's life and it's not all about money I mean there might be someone that you work with that you know struggling and God might want you to to be generous with your time and say look let's have a cup of coffee I don't have the time for it but I'm going to carve out some time and you could change that person's life see that's generosity it might be a kind word when someone doesn't deserve a kind word they, they deserve to be rebuked or yelled at, and, and God might speak to your heart and say, say something affirming to that person. That's generosity. It, it, it's, it's every area of our life. There's a story about a, a rich man, a wealthy man, that had no need for pocket change. And still he took the time to bend over whenever he saw a penny on the ground and pick it up. Now, i got to confess... I do that all the time. Like, I can't get out of the car. If I see a penny on the ground, I can't walk past it. i got to bend over and pick it up. And Kim and I have this joke. I'll hold it up and I'll say, this goes towards our retirement. <laughs> One penny. But I just can't I just can't walk past a penny on the ground. I, I will even stop traffic. You know, just stop, stop. So I'm going to pick up the penny, hold it up, put it in my pocket. And I know people are like, look at that poor, that poor soul. He probably lives in a dumpster or something. I don't know. So, um, I do that. Maybe some of you do that. If you don't do that, feel free to just spread your change around the parking lots in the area here, and I'll, I'll take care of it. I'll, I'll, I'll get it for you. But whenever this man found a coin, a penny, he would, he would stop and look at it in his hand, and then after standing quietly for a moment, he would then put it in his pocket and keep walking. And he was once asked about this unusual habit. He said, why does a man who has no need for money stand still as though he just found a gold coin? And he said this. He said, when I find a coin, I look at the words, in God we trust. And I can hear God asking me, do you still trust me? And he said, once I'm certain that I still trust God more than money, I can continue with my day. 
You know, you and I are responsible to God, to trust Him and obey. That's our part. But that's where the conflict comes. We all go through it at times. And this is the problem. God asks us to obey and trust Him in the areas of our life that are bigger than we can understand or figure out. And instead of really trusting Him, we want to say, now God, if I trust you in this area, how are you going to work it out? If I'm believing for my marriage to be saved and I trust you with this, I don't think you realize the problems in this marriage. Lord, I'm going to trust you with my finances. I'm going to start to give back to you a tithe and, and, or an offering. I want to be a blessing to you. But I don't think you understand, God, how much debt I, I have. And, and we try to reason it out as though he doesn't know. I just want to encourage you today that um, you can trust him with your heart, with your mind, with your ways. You can trust him with your finances, with your things. Um, he's faithful. And it's all in how you look at him. Is he a taker to you or is he a giver? And my heart, my heart today is just to, um, and I'm not going to take an offering, so relax. I'm not going to twist your, I just, I want you to think about these things. I want you to think about them and say, God, where do I, where do I land on that scale? There's, there's nothing greater than to be a blessing to the kingdom and to other people. There's nothing greater. When you can, when you can do something in someone's life to be a blessing to them, it, there's nothing more powerful than that. Could we stand? And maybe one of these areas of your life, maybe one of these four, you, you know, you realize, man, I'm here, but I want to be here, and I'm on my journey, and I'm working on it, but I really want to, for God to increase my capacity to be able to receive from Him, but also to be able to give. And maybe, maybe one of those areas, it's your heart, it's your mind, it's your ways, or it's your, it's your uh, things, has to do with your things, and you're like, man, Lord, I want to grow in generosity in one of these areas. Is there anyone other than me that said, one of these I could definitely want to grow in and move forward in? Hands up all over. So I want to pray for you and, and pray for us. Um, I, I want to be known as a, as, a, as a church of generosity that if there's needs, we're going to do our best to meet those needs. If there's people that are hungry, we're going to do our best to feed them. If they're thirsty, we're going to do our best to make sure they can drink. I, I want to be known as a church that is generous because I believe when the world looks at us, they're, they're going to see God. They're going to see the character and the heart of God. And it starts with us in the little things. So, Father, we just want to thank you today, God, for your generosity towards us. I want to thank you, God, for all that you've done in our lives and, and how you've used um, us, God, to be a blessing to others. And, Lord, I pray that you would continue to stretch us and move us towards having hearts of generosity and that we recognize, God, today that nothing we have is ours, it's yours. But you've blessed us with it to manage it and steward over it, God. And I pray that we would be considered good stewards, Lord. So, Father, I just thank you, God. And I just pray as we uh, just gather together for just a moment and lift you up, God, that you would just stretch us and help us today, God. We're so grateful. Lord, I pray that the person that walked in here thinking that they couldn't trust you will leave here today convinced that they can trust you with everything, God. So we just thank you and we praise you and we're going to worship you now for just a moment. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen.
Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.